Hey, real quick, I just wanted to let you know that Gabba Gabba Hunt is now a record store. Well, not really a store, but a booth at an antique store located in Eastridge Mall in Gastonia, North Carolina. Vintage Village is three stores down from Dillard's on the left. And my booth is on the left side of Vintage Village. It's the one with all the records. You can't miss it. I've got over a thousand records, toys, t-shirts, DVDs, VHS, all kinds of stuff there. So come check it out. Gabba Gabba Hunt Records and Vintage Goods located in Vintage Village at Eastridge Mall, Gastonia, North Carolina. This episode of Gabba Gabba Hunt Talks is brought to you by Hobo Wolfman Records. Now, I was really slack and almost forgot to put a Hobo Wolfman Records ad on this podcast. And now it's the middle of the night and I'm doing it anyway. So if you want one of my witty ads where I try to make jokes and stuff and talk about the crazy shit that Danny and Angelia have over Hobo Wolfman Records, you're going to have to go listen to another episode of the podcast. For now, just go check out HoboWolfmanRecords.com. You are now listening to the Gabba Gabba Hunt Talks Podcast, where we bring you conversations with people connected to the Carolinas underground music scene. Your host, Mike Phillips of Van Huskins. this up i usually have this over here so okay I, i've been i kind of got this idea I've, I've had these little microphone stands here i've been just setting them on the table and kind of pointing them in the direction and it, it picks up but i always have to do a whole lot of like noise reduction and then amplification and all this mm-hmm. stuff to get all of my levels right so I, I got to thinking i was like if i can find me a little something to sit on top of this that i can connect some of these things to yeah and then i ran into this at goodwill for like three bucks the other day and it's like a little game table or something i don't know what it's called uh Flask or something, huh? Like three dollars. I was like, that looks about perfect. I thought, if nothing else, I can at least get my little table mics up higher. These are basically built for like we're all sitting around the table. Right. And I got a little card table over there. I set it up when Johnny came over one time when uh, Johnny Dick came over. But yeah, um, I listened to that episode. It's just more comfortable to like sit over here. Um, like last week, I had storm watchers and there were two there and one on the one in the chair. Um, but this is perfect. I think this is going to be great. So I'm going to order like three more of these. Then I'll still have one for me over here. And then I'll have these to where I, you still don't have to like be on the mic, but I can at least get it like, like closer. If I sit back it. like this, do I need to pull it closer? No, no. Because okay. this is going to be what, what I've had in the past is basically this exact same setup, except instead of this being up here, it was down here. Gotcha. And people would just talk. And, and like I said, I, I do a lot of like with my, my, post-production is actually like i guess pre-production it's post-interview pre-doing all my editing is it's all like i got a noise reduction amplify <coughs> normalize compress maybe amplify again and then through my whole editing process and i might show you some of this later if, you know if, if we have some downtime or like maybe after we get back tonight i'm gonna bring my laptop and i'm gonna bring this and i might go ahead and start cool. putting it all in yeah but i'll show you like Sort of how picky I get on my editing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do everything in Audacity. I, I, I recorded I uh, uh, Thursday night. I did uh, the silencing machine came and I did their episode, and I still have to edit it. And theirs went ran a little long. You know, I try to keep our interviews between thirty and forty five minutes. They were they were close to an hour. Yeah. And and yeah, so I've got I've still got to do the editing, but I just use Audacity. Move this up just a little bit. Yeah, it's cool. Like I said, this is, I think this is going to be, and this will be my, sort of my experiment with it. Because when I have more people in the room, this will be right in the middle. But we'll, we'll see. I want to see if it works better with me getting closer. Like, because sometimes, like, when I'm editing, I've noticed people talk. They're loud in the beginning and loud at the end. 
and they sort of get kind of quiet mumble in the middle. <laughs> well, I'm pretty loud all the time. So. Yeah. <laughs> I just know it's like certain people, especially. Um, I was doing that on my last podcast. There's one guy that he was, and I, I think I'm, I'm kind of the same. I start off kind of talk loud and I kind of trail off and I get sort of a normal volume and, and then I get loud again at the end and it just is kind of natural. So then I'm always like highlighting sections between those loud parts and amplifying in the middle. Yeah, try to somebody, balance it out. Somebody told me there's a program you can do. Like, normalization in Audacity is supposed to kind of do that, but it doesn't. It doesn't do it very well. It doesn't do it very well. Mm-hmm. Somebody told me there's another program that they use to do it, but the way they do it is they run their entire audio through it and get the, the levels all the same. And then when I listen back to their podcast, you can really tell it, too. Like, sometimes, like, the background noise gets really loud. That's another thing I've got to do is, like, when I amplify, I've got to go back through and do noise reduction. Noise reduction, yeah. yeah. But if you do it too much, then you're the rest of your audio starts to suck because I yeah. learned that with my flight risk podcast. Uh, but that, we did that one outside around the campfire and there were crickets and it was, it was it's a lot. so much noise. Yeah. And, um, but anyway, so it's, it's learned and, and everything, but I, I might, I might show you some of it later. We'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that yeah, more later because, uh, you know, the, editing a podcast is, it's, I, I enjoy it. It's fun. Cool. I guess we'll get started here in a second. I'm, trying to, I'm, I'm sort of trying to think if there's anything else I want to talk about before we got, I'm already recording. <laughs> Oh, I, you are. Because I always start recording like when we walk in the room, so I can pick up what some of that. What is that right there? This, yeah, that's my that's the Zoom recorder. It's a little, uh, it's a, it's actually a six track recorder, but you got to get a adapter to make it six. So but is that is that like an interface? Yeah, I can use it as an interface. Okay. You can use it as like a multi track recorder. It's just a little portable recorder. There might be an opportunity here to capture some audio talking to Lilith in the fill-ins. Well, I, that's what I was thinking. I even thought I, at one point I was thinking. Oh man, maybe I'll record our trip up there and we can have conversations in the car. And then I'm like, I just don't really want to do that. For one, I'll run all the batteries down, use up all the space on my disc. Yeah. And, you know, then I've got like, what, three hours of stuff to go through to find the good stuff we talked about that yeah. can be, that can be shared with everybody. Yeah. We can do this and we can just have fun on the way down. And then, and but then if you do want to bring it to the show, I, I think it'd be cool to, to talk to them. Yeah. yeah depending on whether they got time or exactly. not. Exactly. I was going to say, I might bring it out to the show because if nothing else, I can actually record the show. With mm-hmm. that, I'll, I'll bring my little um, That's a good idea. adapter that, that records. I, I've, I've carried it out to shows before. I, I was going to start doing it all the time, but then I just realized it's, it's kind of a burden to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, I'd get it and then send it to the bands. I don't think the bands would ever even listen to it. You know, it's like, well, you know, I'm kind of, I was, I was just like, I was one of those things I wanted to do to document the scene. I'm like, well, I'm kind of already documenting the scene in a different way. Yeah. And, you know, we can do some don't live Don't forget recordings. to take some pictures tonight. I'm really bad about not taking pictures. Yeah. You know, I want photos for like the website down the road and mm-hmm. and and just for social media stuff. But we'll go do stuff, especially when we do family stuff. I'm so like I get so caught up in the moment. I'm not thinking about stopping and taking pictures. Yeah. And so don't let me forget to take a few pictures tonight. I, I'm bad about. I used to. I've got a box full of pictures over there, and I used to take my camera to shows every now and then. Back when you had to get film developed, but I wouldn't take it to every show. So I have like you know. Like 30 pictures from an anti-scene show and then like a dozen pictures from some other show and another dozen pictures from another show. And then it's like, I know I went to a lot more shows than that. I really wish I'd have taken my camera a lot more. So these days I do whenever I go see a band, I do try to pull my camera out and take a, or my phone out and take Take a couple of pictures. I want to take at least one of each band. And usually what I do with those is while I'm standing there, I take the picture. And real quick, I post it to Instagram and then cross post to Facebook or something. Yeah. Just to let people know, hey, this is going on. If you're close by, you can come out. If not, this is what you're missing. Come out next weekend. Yeah. 
But I always want to just let people know that it's not about, hey, look at me, I'm out at this. It's, hey, look at this band that's playing. That's, that's how I am about it, too. Like, I, I want to help, I want to kind of help promote shows and stuff like that. So. And that's what I, I've always been. I mean, you know, I want to promote my own band for sure, but um, I want to promote the scene in general. Yeah. I think that's what you so want to that's do. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. And, and since we're kind of getting so, to that, yeah. um, I'm talking to Michael Carpenter, and this would be the, my first episode without. Uh, a musician on, or or, or a, a a practicing musician. I don't know. You may play. We'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. Um, but this would be my first episode that, that is not band centric or musician centric. This is this is going to be a venue episode, and I, I want to do more of these in the future. And I guess maybe venue episode is. I don't know if that's the right way to put it because some of these some of the people this I want to talk to episode. are scene episode because I want to talk to people from record record stores, record store owners, and things like that too. Like bring in more than just just musicians. Because the scene is so much more than just the bands that play. The scene is also the venues they get to play at and the, the other places that support them. The booths, the, the record booths and record stores that sell the music of the local artists, then you know, all that stuff is part of the scene. Yeah. So so tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, your name is Michael Carpenter. And, and besides the the Rooster, which is a venue that you're going to open in Gastonia, and we'll get more to that in a little bit. But besides that, what what is it that you do in, in, in life? I mean, what, tell, tell me a little bit about yourself. I'm a dad first and a husband. Um, Same. Uh, well, I, I'm a dad. I'm not a husband anymore. But I can relate. That's, that's me. So, first and foremost, I'm a dad. Yeah, first and foremost, I'm a family man at, at my core. Uh, when I was a teenager, I came up in the food industry. Um, when I was 15, I got a job at a restaurant because they didn't make you take piss tests. Yeah. <laughs> so... So hey, I, man, I, I work at Domino's, trust me, I know. <laughs> so I got a job at a restaurant, and at 15 years old, I fell in love with the industry. Um, you know, By the time I was 16, I was working in the kitchen, and I worked under this chef, and I would watch this chef cut vegetables and, and cook on the grill, and I was just amazed at how well he did it. And I was mm -hmm. like, I want to be able to cut a mushroom in a half a second like he did. Yeah. So I went to chef school right out of high school. I didn't get to finish the full four years. I did half of it. I did two years of chef school, and by then I was already managing restaurants. Yeah. So, so I did that for a while, and then I was in my early 20s when I had my first child. And uh, once I started to settle into being a dad, I was like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> I can't work this kind of schedule and be there for my kids. So, yeah, yeah. So in my, in my later 20s, I, I became an entrepreneur, and... Um, once I got a taste of what it was like working for myself, it, there was just no turning back. Yeah. So I've had a few different ventures through the years, um, varying degrees of success. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I've done really well with some things and there's some things I've lost money on, but ultimately what got me to where we're at now is, um, my wife and I are avid concert goers. Yeah. Uh, since I'm 14, 15 years old, I've been going to shows just constantly. I, I got that first taste of live music as a teenager, and I, I just, I've been chasing that, that feeling of live music ever since. And so uh, we were on our way back from Spartanburg from a show one night, and this was back in like 2015. Mm -hmm. um, and we were having a conversation on the way home about how. You know how cool would it be if there was a place like that in Gastonia that that you know you could go see concerts in Gastonia because there's not. I mean they do yeah. the the cities do the downtown live things, but you know that's not really a concert. Um, they're fun, yeah, they're, they're fun, but they're more gatherings. Um, so that, that that was kind of like an offhand conversation that we didn't really think that much about yeah. afterwards. 
but being an entrepreneur and being in, ingrained in, in the community here in, in Gaston County and the surrounding area, the more business owners I got to know, the more local leadership I got to know, um, the more investment that I could see the municipalities making in the communities, I could see that there were opportunities arising in this area. And I could see that there was a void. There was a vacuum there of the cities building this ball field. They're bringing in investors to build mm-hmm. apartments. And now there's a hotel downtown and all these investments are being made, but no one's doing entertainment. Yeah. And I'm like, well, okay, we're going to build all these houses and we're going to build all these apartments. We're going to build this ball field. But how do you get people to move here? You know, how do you create jobs to su- sustain all this investment? Mm-hmm. And um, that idea, that conversation that my wife and I had, that, that I did kind of stuck in the back of my head. And so I started to see this opportunity present itself. So so you kind of, I guess the Fuse District was already being talked about when you decided to do the rooster. That wasn't something that came along after. Right. In 2015, when we started having that conversation, the Fuse had, there were whispers. There yeah. were whispers okay. of this happening. Um for five years, I ran the food and beverage for the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew a lot of the people there with the Gastonia Grizzlies. And I was there when the conversation started about building a ball field. Okay. Um, so I knew that it was a possibility, but at the time, nothing concrete. Okay. No, no yeah. commitments had been made. No money had exchanged hands. Uh, when it became real was when, uh, when that motel that they tore down got sold. When they bought the Sears building and they tore down that motel, I was like, okay, this is happening. Yeah. That was still a couple of years before I, you know, or a year or so before I decided to, to pull the trigger on this venture. But when the idea came up, it wasn't like, oh, they're doing this stuff down downtown Gastonia. We got to get in on this. Yeah. The, it was an idea you had. This came along and it was just kind of a, a good wave to ride on. Yeah. It was just the business I had before this was a vending business. I had a bunch of vending machines. Yeah. yeah. I was doing okay with it. I mm-hmm. was doing well. We were making good money. I mean, we could have probably done that forever. But it was killing my soul. Yeah. Just killing my soul. <laughs> I, Trust me. I, I, know that. I know those jobs. I was so bored with my with my business. I mean, literally, I would get my work done in a half a day. I'd go to the gym. And I, I just was bored. I was so bored. There was no challenge in my life. You know, I'm pretty good at being a dad mm-hmm. you know that's always fun but you know i needed mental stimulation so i started to think about what else could i do like if i could sell this vending business to somebody what what would my next step be mm-hmm. and i had been involved with all these leadership organizations in the county and you know all of these things swirling around kind of started to align the stars started to align and the light bulb went off in my head. It's like this idea that you've been holding on to that you haven't taken seriously yet. Mm -hmm. And now all this development's happening. And it's like, well, why not? You know, I started asking myself, why not? So in October of 2018, I started looking at properties. I I actually didn't call a realtor or nothing like that. I I went on the GIS site, which people who don't know GIS is, is a government managed website that uh, has all of the property information for all the pieces of property mm-hmm. in their municipality. Yeah. So you can go to the Gaston County GIS and every piece of property is on the tax books and you can get tax information, you can get ownership information, mm-hmm. all that stuff, when it changed hands, uh, all that public record stuff. So I kind of 
pulled up Gaston County's map and I drew this rectangle from Myrtle School Road to New Hope Road mm-hmm. from 85 to Garrison. Yeah. And inside of that box, I was determined to find a piece of property that I could turn into a venue. Okay. So I started writing letters to property owners and I always, I was looking at all the vacant buildings mostly. I sent out probably a dozen to two dozen letters and I got, I got back answers from most of them. So I would go look at these properties. You know, there were a handful of them that would have been great. There was one in particular that I really liked. Yeah. Uh, it was on the west side of Franklin. I was really trying to be on the west end, like further west than Loray. Like okay. I, I felt like that was a place that needed the investment. Yeah. And uh, there was one in particular that I really had my eyes on. There wasn't that much parking, but there was enough parking to get by. Mm-hmm. And I liked the shape of the building, the size of the building. And I finally got in touch with the building owner. And the dude, like, this was in, I want to say, like, November, December of 2018. And the guy had literally just purchased the property the, the February of, of, um, of 18. Like, mm-hmm. he had just bought it. It wasn't even a year in his possession. And I, you could see what they pay for it on the tax. And yeah. Price. So, and I knew what the building was worth, but he was just using it to like rent it out for storage space. He wasn't doing anything with it. Mm-hmm. So I, I got a hold of him and I asked him, I was like, you know, would you consider selling this property? And he's like, yeah, but I won't take less than this much. And it was over twice what he paid for it. Yeah. Furthermore, it was almost twice what the building was worth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So I just kept looking. But eventually we found this piece of property. I actually did have to call a real estate broker. I, mm-hmm. I started getting frustrated because, you know, some of these properties were right next to churches. Yeah. And you can't get a liquor license if you're right next to a church. Um, there were a couple that would have worked, but there was no parking. Yeah. And you can't do this without parking. Exactly, yeah. So I got to, you know, being a part of the chamber and these local organizations, I knew so a few commercial real estate guys and I called one up and told him what I wanted to do. And the next week they showed me this, this property that we have at 334 West Main mm-hmm. in downtown Gastonia. And it had, but it, it had just got put on the market and they were the listing agent. So, yeah. <laughs> so I went and looked at it and the minute I walked through those doors, I could see I, I, the floor plan that we have, the construction drawings we have, I, I could see that. Mm-hmm. And that was with a big, huge wall going down the middle of the building. Yeah, that we I know. I came in there, yeah. like, before you tore all that down. And, and even then, you'd already done some some demolition. Yeah. And it was not quite that wide open. So, yeah. So, but I could see it. And, and you know, being surrounded by parking lots that solved that problem. Mm-hmm. And being in downtown, inside of the GDC district, you know, I knew there would be no issues getting licensing and, you know, all, all that stuff. But, but it was a big undertaking. Um one of the most important things to me in doing this was that we own the property. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, I've, I've been to hundreds, if not thousands of shows through the years. And I've been to so many venues. Yeah. And one of the biggest reasons why some venues don't make it is because they don't own their property. Whoever owns that property decides exactly. they yeah. want to jack the rent up because they're doing well, or they decide they want to sell it. And and the new owner doesn't want to doesn't want you as a tenant. There's just so many things that can go wrong when you what don't. Happened with Tremont, you know, that's just... exactly what happened with Tremont. And so, you know, we bought the property. Yeah. And then you know, 
most of the story from there is documented pretty well. But you know, it's it's been one hell of a ride. We were so close to getting open last year before Corona started. I mean, we were. I was I was waiting for the bank to give me a closing date for mm-hmm. the construction loan when uh, everything shut down. Yeah. So now we're back to that point. That's where we're at now. We're we're next week. I will get back. A, 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 they had to rebid the project because all the material costs changed. So oh, once yeah. I get that, once I get that number, I can go back to the bank and say, "All right, let's do it again." Yeah. <laughs> and we'll get back to all that in in a little bit. We'll we'll talk more about the the, the rooster and the building and everything else. Um, and the, and the show, we want to talk about the show for sure. Uh, but I do want to kind of talk about a little bit more about your love of music. Okay. And, and so as a kid, what was one of the things that you've probably heard my podcast before. Oh yeah. Well, the, one of the first questions I always ask is what, what was it about music as a kid that grabbed you and made you just pay more attention to music? So my, my parents took us to a Pentecostal church growing mm-hmm. up. So I was raised in a church and, and a Pentecostal church, it's, it's loud, it's rowdy yep. and you know, I never wanted to go to church as a kid. I didn't want to get up on Sunday and go to church, mm-hmm. but the one saving grace was that there would be music and it would be an opportunity to kind of let loose. Yeah. And, you know, in a Pentecostal church, they get pretty rowdy during oh, yeah, the, the music. So, <laughs> so that, you know, that, that was like the one thing about church that I could connect with was like, it was an opportunity to get rowdy. Mm-hmm. So from there, you know, growing up, my uncle was a drummer. My other uncle played guitar very well. My dad always played guitar. Mm-hmm. I was always surrounded by music, and they were really big into the classic stuff. My my co- my, my uncle that played guitar, he he was really big into Kiss. Mm-hmm. My drummer uncle, he was really big into Rush. Yeah. My dad, he loved bands like Steely Dan. You know, of course the you know, Pink Floyd's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pink Floyd's still my favorite band from okay, that era. Yeah. I mean, you can make an argument for you know Beatles, Led Zeppelin, you know Cream, all these other bands, Jimi Hendrix. But but for me, Pink Floyd is what resonated the most. the The defining moment for me was when Rage Against the Machines album came out in 1992. Yeah, I was 13 years old, and my best friend bought the tape, the tape cassette yeah. tape when it came <laughs> out. And uh, one Saturday, we were hanging out at his house, and we were playing that tape. And by the end of that tape, me and him were jumping up and down on his mom and dad's couch. We were tearing his living room apart yeah <laughs> i mean we we were just going nuts you know from there um i started to get really big into like that grunge scene mm-hmm. there was a band called mother love bone yeah that would have been pearl jam oh yeah right? they, and they would have been huge too cause... absolutely uh andrew wood was an amazing talent an amazing songwriter mm-hmm. an amazing singer and an amazing entertainer and that music just grabbed me what music did for me as a young individual, I didn't know how to express myself well. Mm-hmm. I never had the gift to gab. I didn't know how to get all of the emotions out of me in a productive way until music did that for me. You know, that us jumping up and down in his living room listening to Rage Against the Machine, we were getting all the anger out, yeah. you know? Yeah, trust me, I know. You're like, you know, <laughs> this this guy is saying what I'm thinking, you exactly. know, that kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> And and that's kind of how music got a hold of me. And, and rock and roll has always kind of been at the heart of that. It's the lyrics and the emotions expressed through rock and roll has has always been most relatable to me. You know, it, it was a way to deal with the emotions and know that you're not alone. Yeah, I, um, I think a, a lot of people are like that. I'm, I'm like that, um, despite the fact that I have this podcast and I've gotten good at talking. 
I've never had the gift of gab either, like you said. And for me, it was it was finding something that I could related to that spoke what I was thinking and what I was feeling. And, right. you know, it was, you know, whether it was Twisted Sister or whether it was Kiss or whoever it was, you know, that, that was just, it made me feel good and it made me want to jump up and down. And it's it's like, this is great. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's nothing, it's it, art. I, you know, I keep saying over and over again to people that the rooster is about, you know, it's about giving this platform for artists. I love art so much. I have bet my entire life savings on making art my job. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like that's how important it is to me because I know that art saves lives. Music saves lives. Oh yeah, it definitely does. You know, it, it saved my life. You mm-hmm. know, it kept me from becoming just this awful, awful person yeah. who didn't know how to express himself and who just hated everything because no one understood, you know, all that teenage angst shit that sticks with people. That's why you see people in their forties on meth because mm-hmm. they never figured out a way to, to, to escape all the self hate and all that, yeah. you know, you know, for me, it's art saves lives. And, and I, and I believe in it so much that that's why we're here now. Yeah. So you also mentioned that you kind of grew up around instruments, mm-hmm. guitars and drums and everything. Do you play an instrument? Have you ever played or picked yeah. up one? And, and have you ever played in a band? Yes, I have. So when I was a teenager, I learned, I, I picked up a bass guitar. My parents bought me a bass for my 16th birthday. Mm-hmm. I, I saw this uh, Fender Jazz bass. It was beautiful. It was uh, white with a cream pick guard. Mm-hmm. Sounded so good. Yeah. Um, but I got that, I got that jazz bass and I started plucking away and learn, trying to learn you know I, I never had any formal lessons but i met a dude in high school who played guitar mm-hmm. and we started hanging out and playing guitars together and he actually kind of taught me the note scales yeah you know i would play my bass every single day you know and and i worked really really hard to become a mediocre bass player <laughs> I, just, I, I know, felt that way for a long time. I just didn't have a gift. And to be perfectly honest, had I stuck with it through the years, you know, once I started working full time and got into like, you know, whatever, if you want to call it a career, um, you know, I kind of let that fall to the wayside. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't keep playing. Had I kept playing, I probably would be a pretty good bass player, but I could still hold a beat down. But we had a band called Pell Reason. Okay. And we were called Pell Reason. And we did mostly like backyard shows. We would play our friends' parties and mm-hmm. things like that. And, uh, we did get an opportunity to get on a big stage in 1996. We played for the Music Zone on Franklin. I don't okay, know if you yeah, I remember that place, zone. yeah. We, we spent most of our free time either at um, Tillman's in downtown yeah. looking at the instruments or at the Music Zone yeah. picking through records, trying to find bootlegs and stuff. So uh, they were putting on a show, and the guy that worked there, his band was playing the show. And we were like, dude, please let us play. We'll open. We'll, it was like an all day music thing, similar to what we're about to do. So we were the first band to go on Mm -hmm. and all of our friends and family came and we played that show and we had a good time, man. But to to, to kind of ask a couple more questions, what, what kind of music did you play in that band? We were kind of like a grunge rock band. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the first iteration before we had a drummer, we did call ourselves grunge. Yeah. We didn't, you know, have a, a better name than that. The guitar player, he was the biggest Nirvana fan I've ever known in my life. Mm-hmm. To this day, I don't know anyone that loved Nirvana as much as he did. Yeah. And um, I was really into Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam and Rage and, and all that stuff. 
so most of our music kind of sounds a lot like you know, like the old Mud Honey and mm. stuff like that. Was it is it original? Music? Yeah, yeah, okay. we, yeah. In fact, I would <laughs> our guitar player really was dead set against doing covers unless they were Nirvana covers. Yeah, okay. It's the only band he would care to cover, and so we'd learn Nirvana songs and. <laughs> And I'd be like, okay, well, I'd go, I'd go take the time to learn the baseline to an Alice in Chains song or a Pearl Jam song. You know, I came, I came to practice one day, you know, with the Jeremy hook. I was like, let's try this out, and he just had no interest. He's like, no. Nah. Yeah. And I was like, well, fuck you, man. Like, <laughs> like I took the time to learn this song, but um, but yeah, I mean that that was we were we were a grunge rock band. Mm-hmm. Most most bands that want to be original don't want to do a whole lot of covers. I, I love playing covers, you know. Like I'll learn a bass line to something. We'll we'll play stuff in practice that we never play out of shows, just just because it's fun to play. It is fun. I mean, you know, why did you pick up a guitar in the first place? Yeah, because you were influenced by some music that that you love. You're like, I want to know how to do that. Yeah, I think covers are great. I think cover and tribute bands are great. Um, mm-hmm. You know, now we really want to focus the majority of our energy at the rooster on highlighting local original artists yeah, yeah. but that doesn't mean we won't book cover bands we'll oh, book yeah. cover bands Cover bands are fun sometimes they, they can be <laughs> a lot of fun i mean a lot of times cover bands bring a party with them you mm. know what i'm saying but we really want to focus on original art and and as far as being in a band what i do like about when bands cover songs even nine times out of ten it's never better than the original but it gives you kind of a a, a little sneak peek into like who the band is, you know, mm-hmm. what music influenced them. And most original bands that cover a song, they usually cover a song because it means a lot to them or it speaks to them in some sort of way. So it's always interesting to see what songs bands will cover yeah. that don't normally play other people's songs. Yeah. Cause it does kind of give you a little snapshot of, of their influences. Yeah. That's what I always like. I love to hear like, any band that I love, whenever they put out a cover song, it's always cool to me because it's like that, that gives me an insight into what inspires them. Even if it's not like a very obvious inspiration, it's always like, oh, cool. Okay. Okay. I, I hear that. I can see that. Yeah. Can you think of a cover song that was done better than the original? Um, I, I could probably think of a few. I, I like Johnny Cash's Hurt better than Nine Inch Nails. I think a lot of people do. Yeah. That, yeah. That's probably the best example, the best most mainstream example I can think of, but I'm, there, there's others. I can't really think right off the top of my head. I'm not so much a fan of this band anymore, but when they first come out, Shinedown, they, Shinedown hit the scene, just, they were killing it. Those first two albums were awesome. Mm-hmm. And I actually like their version of Simple Man better than the original. Okay. Which I know that's blasphemy in this town, but, <laughs> but I, I think it's awesome. I think it's a great cover. And you've heard that song covered a thousand times if you go to live shows the way I do, you've heard that song played by other bands. Yeah, before. oh yeah, yeah. And they just they they did it their way, and I really like that version of it. But yeah. you're right, hurt Johnny Cash's hurt probably the best cover I, I've ever heard. I think that's like Trent Reznor even these days says that's a Johnny Cash song now. Yeah, it's not it's not a nice that's song anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you become? I guess because you were playing music, you played in a band when you were younger. Uh, my my next question was when did you become aware of the local music scene because you're going to be involved in the local music scene when well, did that become a, a thing on your radar and well it- back in the 90s I, I was kind of aware I, I would go whenever I got a chance to I would go to shows at Tremont Namuses and, and that kind of thing do you remember what was your first show that you went to at a club like that the first show that I ever went to I was 15 years old this was I had been to like concerts with like family and stuff mm-hmm. but the first show I ever went to on my own I was 15 years old. It was at the Ritz on Independence yeah, Boulevard, yeah. and it was whole. Okay. 
And I'm trying to remember who opened for them. I cannot remember who opened for them. But, oh, it, because my girlfriend at the time, I was 15, she was 16, she had the license in the car, so mm-hmm. so I, w- I was with her, and we went and saw Hole, and they were they were really fun, and I got a little first taste of live music, and I was like, man, this is really cool, but they had a flyer for, like, a couple weeks later, they had uh, uh, Goo Goo Dolls, Bush, and No Doubt, mm-hmm. and that was the tour that Gavin and... Uh, Oh yeah, and, uh, and Gwen and Gwen got together, yeah. and I went to that show. And believe it or not, I mean, all three bands were amazing. You know, I mean, they're all three great bands. Yeah. But uh, Bush, in particular, Bush was really, really good that night, and that was the first time I felt that energy in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, Hole was fun to see, but that night that that Bush played, they were it was it was no doubt then Bush then Google Dolls. And when Bush came out and did their set, I I could feel the electricity around me. I could feel the energy flowing through my body, the thump of the bass and the speakers. Mm-hmm. Just I was in that zone that that you know that that feeling that I keep chasing at live shows. That I, that was the first time I felt it. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, this is amazing. Now to answer your question, when I decided that I was, was going to start taking this idea of the rooster seriously. I started making a concerted effort to get back out there and start supporting local bands. Mm-hmm. And, you know, up until that point, I was I was in total dad mode. I had my business going. I was taking care of my family. My wife and I would go to a show, you know, as often as we could. But usually, like somebody but usually nationally it was known. national. Yeah, usually yeah. it was. You know, we had a good run there about five years from the time we first started dating before we got married, where we were we were going to shows constantly. Mm-hmm. I mean. And it was all these bands that influenced us heavy in our twenties. You yeah, know, we yeah. were getting these good shows while the band still had that, had that energy in them. You know, the local scene, it was back in 20, 2018, 2019. Mm-hmm. I really started making an effort to get out and, and start supporting the local artists. So I'm, I'm relatively new to this particular scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I know a lot of these artists from years, you know, through the years, you know, people that I, you know, ran around with back in the oh yeah there's old, plenty of people you know, from the Gaston County area that, that are playing music these yeah, days there, there was a there was a time there like when I I had moved away from Gastonia in my early 20s and I moved back in my late 20s so I was gone for about seven years and there was a time there from my late 20s and early 30s I couldn't go anywhere without getting recognized yeah <laughs> you know it's it it one of those towns yeah oh yeah um you know I think we're I think I'm kind of out of that phase now and and there's you know, the whole another generation of you know, young adults that are running around in the scene and, you know, I want to help them, you know, I want to help them out. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows if somebody would have reached out and helped me back in the day, maybe I never would have put the bass down, you know? Yeah. That was for us. It was, you know, we discovered the, the local music scene in Charlotte before we started playing. It was me and my friend, Matt love, we, we love music and we were record collectors. My dad turned me on to records when I was a kid, even though he didn't collect them anymore. He'd had a collection that he'd let me kind of thumb through. And so me and my buddy Matt, from that, an extension of that, was we started collecting records. And at first we were going to, you know, we'd go to Sound Shop in Shelby, we'd go to Gastonia, we'd go to Record Bar in Camelot, and we'd buy what we could, could there. But then we had a buddy that took us to Charlotte. Uh, uh, one of our friends, his brother, took us to Charlotte and took us to the record stores there. We were hooked. So Manifest. We started, well, no, back then it was, it was Repo and Milestone Records. Milestone Records not around anymore. And back then, Repo Record had an S at the end of it. And um, there was Record Exchange was around back then. I'm trying to think. There were probably a couple of the other little places. Um, 
but those were the main the main three that we went to. Uh, but we got out there and we just discovered, oh man, these these record stores are cooler. And uh, of course, at the time too, like Record Barn Camelot, they were getting rid of their records. It was going CDs yeah, and cassettes. CDs, yeah. And we loved records. I mean, we still we bought CDs and cassettes too, but we still loved records. So we started going to Charlotte, and then we found, like at Milestone Records, they had a table right by the door that had flyers and stickers, just free stuff on it or whatever. But we started looking at it, and we'd see these little flyers for different clubs and. We'd start picking up just seven inch records. I got a whole box, several boxes full of them there. Two, two of two of local bands and one of this whatever. We were just randomly picking up stuff, and I found one from a, a band from South Carolina called Tonka, and we just happened to see on the the table a flyer for the Milestone. They were playing the Milestone on a Sunday night, and it was an all ages show because we were like sixteen, we were seventeen at this time. It was an all ages show on a Sunday night. They had Sunday night matinee shows, and we went out there, and that was just life changing for us. So that's when we discovered the local music scene. But when we put our band together, I, this is a long story. I don't cut most of this out. It's okay. <laughs> this is a long story to tell to, to get to where I was going. But when we started deciding to play music, it was the fact that there was stuff here. And then Milestone at first we couldn't get into. Penny Craver ran the Milestone at the time, and she was like, "You guys are all right, but you need some work. You need, you need to keep keep plugging at it." We were we were pretty young, um, but we ended up getting into a place called Heretics in Charlotte. And the fact that they were there and that they supported us and they let us book shows, it was, you know, I could have gotten out. Of, I could have been in, just gotten discouraged by, by not getting to play Milestone. But somebody was there to, to help support us. Yeah, and, that, and you know, that I've thought a lot about this, about, you know, how to how we're going to put together shows and, and, and help bands out. Because, you know, if you don't give artists the opportunity mm. to put their stuff out there, how are they going to improve, right? Mm. Um now, that's not to say I'm just going to let anyone and everyone oh, yeah. take the stage. I'm going to want to hear people's music before I book a show with them. But, you know, I don't think I'm going to do what she did to people. If, if I, if, if there's, if they, if they're at least keeping a rhythm and, and there, there's something, if I can find something there, even if it's not polished, why not let them open a show? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, what's I, the worst I, that could happen? I don't think she really, it wasn't bad. She gave us encouragement and told us to keep going. It was, that, that was good. I've had I have had some people reach out through the website, mm. and I'm I'm there's no way I'm going to name any names, but there's two in particular that's coming to my mind right now where I've gotten an email uh, from the website saying, "Hey, we're in such and such band, you know, we'd like to be considered." And then I'll listen to their music. I'm like, there is no way yeah. I mean, I'm putting it, this on my stage. It happens. I mean, and, and, yeah. and sometimes, you know, some, some, some bands just aren't a fit for a place as well. Right. And, and you probably know what I mean by that. But it, sometimes you're going to have to turn people away. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm one of these people that do believe that you have to visualize to make things happen. I'm 41 years old. It's worked for me my whole life. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep visualizing where I want my life to go, where I want things to be. And one of the things that I visualize a lot of uh, when I think about the rooster is it's going to be more expensive insurance wise to do all ages shows. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what it was like back when I was a kid going to shows, but nowadays they make it hard to, to do all oh, yeah. ages shows. Yeah, yeah. And so we're going to spend that extra money because I do believe that there are is a whole group of teenage kids that need an outlet like mm-hmm. this, especially now in the digital age. Oh yeah, people have got to get out of their house and out from behind their phones and and get into some human interaction. Mm-hmm. 
And, and I think a lot about the lives that we can influence and, and, and make better by giving them a place to go, feel safe, feel welcomed, and enjoy the art experience, the live music experience. And I, I'll go so far as to say we're going to save some lives. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some 16, 17-year-old kid who's one bad day away from slitting his wrist. Mm-hmm. And he's going to come to a show at the Rooster. And because he came to that show, his whole life's going to change. Yeah. And he's going to find hope. He's going to find, you know, friends. He's going to find a community of people that, that want him to be there and want him to be around. And who knows? Maybe he gets inspired and becomes an artist himself. Or maybe he's just a guy that shows up to every show because that's where he feels at home. Yeah. But we're going to save somebody's life. I know it. And I know some people hear that. Well, it's a life-changing thing, you know, to, to see a, a live band or whatever. It uh, is. It is. I mean, trust me, I wasn't I wasn't at that point of slitting my wrist. But when I found live music and, and found the local music scene in Charlotte, it was like, okay, this is where I belong. Yes. You know, it's 30 minutes down the road, but this is where I belong. And uh, and it gave me a, a more of a reason and a, and a drive and a goal of things that I wanted to do in my life. world's got enough lawyers. Mm-hmm. There's enough politicians. There's enough lawyers. We need more artists. Yeah. This is what makes life worth living. Yeah. Otherwise, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? You walking around, going to work every day, feeding ki- feeding your kids, work, sleep, kids, home, yeah. TV, Netflix, cell phone, <laughs> you know, get out and, and experience something different. Yeah. You know, sometimes art makes you feel at home. Sometimes it makes you uncomfortable. That's a good thing. Oh, yeah. You need to, and people need to understand that we're not all supposed to be the same. It's what they want us to be. Yeah. You know, if you turn on the news, <laughs> you know, everybody's got to be a, this way. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't hate this. You can't love that. You, you got, fuck that, man. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> is different. So, uh, since we're talking, I guess we're now, now we're, we're back to talking about the rooster, which is where I want to be anyway. What can people expect from the rooster as far as you say you want to support the arts in general? What can people expect from the rooster when, when, when it does open up? And do you have an idea of when you might open up? So as an audience member, what you can expect is you can expect to be entertained. Mm-hmm. You can expect to be, to feel welcomed and included. Mm-hmm. One of the points I like to hammer away, safe, inclusive environment. Mm-hmm. You know, this will not be a place that you walk in and you're intimidated by a certain type of group of people yeah, that, yeah. that are taking the bar over. That's not going to happen to the rooster. Yeah. You know, just like most places, you know, we're not going to let people show up in gang attire and mm. which certainly won't let weapons in there. You will feel safe. You'll feel included and you'll feel like you're wanted there and you'll be entertained from an artist's perspective. What you can expect from us is you can expect to feel like a rock star. Mm-hmm. Cody, uh, I'll give a shout out to Cody with a K, oh, yeah. who hosts our podcast. We're going to talk about that some a little bit too. So, so. so he, you know, it's I've had a hard time figuring out what to make his job title, and yeah. I've landed on stage manager. Okay, I'm on, he's going to he's our stage manager manager, and he's the voice of the rooster. And Cody's job will be to facilitate. Mm-hmm. He he will spend the majority of his he'll introduce every band that plays to stay. He'll come out and he'll do he'll do a little audience work in between sets, you know, to kind of keep things moving on stage. 
But during the sets, he'll be in the green room hanging with the bands, making sure they've got what they need, making sure that everything is in place and in order for them and, and just hanging out with them. Mm. You know, uh, we want all of the artists that come and play our stage to feel like this is a home for them. Mm. You know, we want to be this hub of creativity. We need to make people feel at home. So from the, from the artist's perspective, you can expect to, to be made to feel great. Like we'll, we want you to feel like you're our friends, that you belong here. And we want you to keep coming back and playing shows. Yeah. Um, and we talk about arts, so you want to support all the arts, not necessarily Correct. just live music. Correct. And you've already started that by, you've invited some local graffiti artists in to, to put some art on the walls. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. So this last year has been frustrating with the shutdown. Mm -hmm. Very, very frustrating Yeah, because me. you were kind of building some momentum, and then so close. COVID comes and kind <laughs> of not only just stops everything, but also throws a few new monkey wrenches into the whole process as well. Correct. A few months back... I was getting real stir crazy, you know, I wanted to do something with my space. Mm. So I just kind of put a call to action on social media. I was like, hey, is there any graffiti artists that, that wants a, a wall to practice on? Because mm -hmm. we're going to frame the walls anyway. Like, like right now, we've demoed the entire inside of the building. The only thing that's left is structural right mm -hmm. now. So these, these old, you know, brick walls are just sitting there. They're going to get covered up. I was like, screw it. Like, does anybody want to come paint? And two guys reached out and said, yeah, let me, let me come do some. Went and met them up. They both came the same day and I yeah. uh, gave them this space. And I was like, here, just, uh, just do whatever you want, man. We'll take a picture of it. We'll put it on social media. We'll promote it. We may even put it on the website at some point. They're like, cool. So they did their work and I was so blown away mm. with with what they did. It, it is truly amazing. But the, and these guys, they both did their stuff in less than five hours. Yeah, it was a uh, Jason Parker was one, That's and right. Daryl Endicott was the other. Correct. Yep. yep. Daryl, shout out to Jason and Daryl. Thank you guys both. In fact, their work was so good. I called my contractor and said, "Look, take a look at this." I showed him the pants. Like, there's got to be a way we can keep this on the wall. Oh, yeah. So we talked about it. And when we frame the walls, we're going to shadow box the art. in. So it'll basically be like a framed piece on the wall. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're going to leave the art up. And it's going to be – and where they put it is right in like the main area in front of the stage. Yeah. So that's going to stay on our walls. And, okay, cool. And I can't thank those guys enough for, you know, coming out and, and using up our wall space. You know, I told them when we did it, I was like, we're probably going to cover this up. But, you know, screw it. Nah, it's too good, man. Yeah. So the, I'm, glad, the, I'm glad it's going to stay. I think that's cool. It adds flavor to it. It does. It does. So so just so people know, the Space Chick, and if, of course, if you're following us on social media or if you go to our social media, you're going to see these pictures. But the Space Chick, that's Lola. That's the mm. name of that piece. And then the other one that Daryl did is uh, Papa Was a Rolling Stone. Okay. That's the name and of that, that, one. that one's like, a, it's... It's like an in, so so you you can take a picture of it and do like the invert the on your, negative yeah the negative, negative or whatever filter. it's like a negative filter that's yeah, what I was trying to it's a to very interactive piece that Daryl did yeah. I, like Jason's Jason's is a statement piece mm -hmm. and it's a very good statement and if you go to our Instagram you can scroll back and look at him talking about about his piece I'll let, he can explain it better than me yeah. but his is a statement and Daryl's is an interactive piece. Mm -hmm. And, and again, you can go on our Instagram and, and go back and listen to Daryl tell a story about his, I'll just, I'll let people do oh, yeah, that. Yeah, they can go back and find that. They can go back and find the story on that. But thank you, Jason. And thank you, Daryl. So do you plan on doing any, anything more with visual arts in, in the, in the rooster? Absolutely. Um, 
Um, I actually think I'm going to bring Daryl back to do our logo on the floor mm-hmm. of the dance floor area. And I've, I've started a conversation with Jason about uh, the back wall of our building doing something back there. Yeah. But in terms of, of supporting other types of artists, yes, I would like to maybe quarterly, maybe biannually do like a, a like a gallery show mm. and allow artists to bring in, you know, uh, they can set up either booths or display areas and, and just put on an art show, you mm-hmm. know, maybe on a Wednesday or Thursday night, you know, once or twice a year, maybe more, depending on how it goes, and let people come in. They can buy drinks at the bar. They can peruse the art and buy a piece. Um, we also plan on doing at least once a month, we're going to do vendor markets inside on Saturdays. Okay, that would be so good. So on, on a Saturday afternoon, I don't know if it'll be the second or third or fourth Saturday, whatever I end up landing on. We'll, we'll have once a month vendor markets and we'll try to keep like a rotating schedule of vendors so that we're getting different types of art and different types of, of stuff in, in our space. You know, I had originally thought about doing like maybe one month do woodworking, one month do um, you know, health and beauty products. But the more I thought about that, that's not really fair to the vendors. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd rather mix it up and have, you know, maybe an artist and a woodworker and a, and a, a beauty products maker and a jewelry maker and just have like one of all these different types of art so that gives them an op- more of an opportunity to, to sell their stuff. Yeah, okay. So that that's helping artists, you know, you know, generate some revenue there. It's something we can do for free. We don't have to charge a cover for that. Mm-hmm. And we can do it on Saturdays before shows so that our doors are open all day on oh, Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's, uh, there's a lot, there's so much I want to do. I've got this, uh, I got a one note on my phone of just every, every new idea I come up with, I add it to this list. And once we finally get open, I can start crafting a schedule every month so that we're doing shows on a consistent basis. Yeah. I know you would, I think me and you had talked before and you'd mentioned like maybe having like improv night or having uh, maybe drag shows every now and then Mm -hmm. and sort of following. (laughs) We'll have to work up to that, but yeah, yeah. um, yeah, I don't know how that will be received by the community. Um, I've been to track shows; they're a lot of fun. Yeah, I, mean, I, I yeah, think Zoe's always did pretty well with yeah, them. So my, my wife and I, you know, one of our very best friends is gay dude, and and he's you know every time we go visit him, we end up going to something like that, yeah. and it's always a lot of fun. Um, I would actually like to work up to maybe even putting on a burlesque show at some point. Yeah. Um, now that might that might get some protesters outside our doors, <laughs> but. Well, but, I know, like, so in Charlotte, like, Milestone does stuff every now and then where they'll have just shows, but they'll have burlesque performers between yeah. artists. And it's not built as a burlesque show. So you can maybe do stuff That's like that. That's a clever way to do it. A little, a little yeah. easier. But, yeah, again, but the point, it's not, you know, it's any anybody who's listening that wants to be uptight about it, go fuck yourself. Because it's not about, you know, it's, it's not about that. It's about art. It's about giving artists an opportunity to display their talents, you know. It's, exactly. it's not about you. It's about them. And I feel like in, in a place like Gastonia or anywhere, but, but Gastonia's got plenty of options. And if you want to support the rooster on the night when your friend's band's play, and you can go out there and do that. And if you don't want to go to one of these other events that if doesn't really tickle your fancy. Yeah, if you don't want to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you don't want to see titties, don't come. Go to Freeman's or go to somewhere else. Yes. We, we, we want to, you know, I, I feel like it's a community. I think you believe that too. Yes. And that it takes a community to keep everybody entertained yeah. too. Exactly. It and takes a village. what's going on at this place might not be what you want to do tonight. But you can go down the road and see something else and do something else. Exactly. And, and you know, you can still support that venue that, that, that hosts that thing that you don't like because somebody else likes it. Because somebody else does yeah. like it. It's, 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 like it's not saying, all about you. <laughs> yeah, it's like I was saying earlier. It takes all kinds, man. It's, we're all different types of people. And the sooner that you know, the majority of society is willing to accept that, 
you know, we're all different and we all have different things we're interested in. And, you know, look, there's a lot of stuff that makes me uncomfortable, but if it makes you happy, go right ahead. It's not affecting my life. No. You know, it's <laughs> like, why does it matter? But I also understand as a, as a, as a business owner, you don't want to come out and be like, all right, Grand opening, burlesque show, right? We, uh, like drag said, show, we gotta work, crack pipe night. <laughs> we got to work up. We got to kind of work up to the more racy type of events, and and we will. You know, I'm in discussions right now with uh, a gentleman who has a church in mm-hmm. Gastonia, and um, there are talks of possibly um, renting our space out to a church on Sundays mm-hmm. to to do services. I know this has been done before at uh, the Visualite. My milestone used to have a Sunday church service and, as well. And um, I'm taking it very seriously, and, and, and I do believe that we will be occupied on Sundays by a church. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a community that we live in, and, and I can't stress that word enough. It's a community. Mm-hmm. It takes all types of people to build a community. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm not I'm not a hateful person at all. I don't hate anyone for anything. Well, maybe a couple people, but but it takes a lot for me to hate it, you. It but takes a lot to if, get me to that point. If I hate you, you probably deserve it. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like you're probably the same way. Yeah. Do you have any idea of when you might be able to open, or or is there a sort of a, a set? I, I know that probably it's a little bit uncertain. It, it is uncertain. It's hard to say. I'll, I'll have a better idea when construction finally does start, but. Mm. Right now, I'm just waiting on the contractor to shore up their bid. Once their bid is final, I can go to the bank and say, this is how much money we need. And then usually the banks take anywhere from 45 days to 60 days to get you to a closing point where you can say, okay, now it's time to go. So if things go well, we can start construction this summer, summer of 2021. And it's we're looking at probably four to six months of construction depending on how agreeable the city is going to be with mm. everything we do. Um, and then, you know, I, I hope we get open before the end of this year. I would very much like to be open by the holidays yeah. so we can put on a couple of holiday events. Um, but you never know. You know, We don't know what, you know, the, you know, it's taken, you look around town at some of these properties that have been getting worked on and, mm. and upfitted, and, and it, it takes a lot, especially, mm. you know, that, that ball field got thrown up pretty quick. Yeah, Why? but that, there's a lot of money behind that. <laughs> there was a lot of money behind that, but they also tore everything down and built it new. Yeah, exactly. You know, we're we have a over over a hundred year old building that we have to bring up to today's code, mm-hmm. and that, there's a lot that goes into that. And and you know, we could get this done in four months. It could take us six months. Mm-hmm. My hope is that we can get in there by tearing everything out. We kind of created a blank canvas. Yep, exactly. So hopefully that that works to our advantage when construction does start. Mm-hmm. So hopefully by the end of 2021 we'll be open. Yeah, that's that's I'm hope I'm really really hope that happens. <laughs> yeah, I know I was down at that ball field yesterday and it's it's nice it's and, and and like that whole area is just gonna it's I'm I'm excited about it. I was telling people about it yesterday. I'm like oh yeah, I know a guy that can open a venue right down the road. Um, I don't get why so many people were stead you know against the the investment that the city made there. I mean, it's a gorgeous field. Yeah, it's gonna bring more business, more jobs. Mm-hmm. I do believe that there's an opportunity to create some sort of a partnership with that team mm-hmm. uh, that manages that field and, uh, you know, cross promote each other's events and that kind of thing. And, uh, I'm our, our man Cody with a K is, is working on that for me as yeah. we speak. So. Uh, one of the projects that you're doing because of the rooster and because of the, the COVID shutdown kind of putting a halt on things is you started a podcast last yes. year. So let's talk a little bit about that as well. You've mentioned Cody with the K. Yes. So I wanted to definitely talk about Rooster Radio a little bit. All right. So um, so Rooster Radio, 
when COVID shut everything down, it was a real bummer for me. I got a phone call from my bank and they were like, Michael, you, you got to put this on hold. Like we're, you know, we're not, we're not going to make this investment right now and yeah. until everything opens back up. I'm like, well, shit, man. And I could have, you know, tucked my tail between my legs. I could have, you know, let it, let it bother me so much and fallen into a depression and been like, you know, what have I done? You know, mm. I, I just refuse to live my life that way. So I'm sitting at home. Those first couple of months, I, I was out of work too. I was not an essential employee. Yeah. So I'm sitting at home and I'm watching my daughter do schoolwork on Zoom. And I'm like, I wonder if there's any bands that will do a Zoom call with me. Mm-hmm. Can, maybe we can still accomplish one of our goals. Yeah. And so I called Cody because, you know, I, look, for anyone listening, I'm very aware of what my voice sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I apologize. <laughs> I know I'm not, yeah, I've never wanted to be like in front of the mic, in mm-hmm. front of the camera kind of guy. That's not really who I am. So I called Cody. Cody, he is an entertainer. He's done open mic stuff. He's done stand up before. And, and he's Cody with the K, but Cody Carpenter, but no relation, correct? Correct. Yeah. Now, once we get open, I think we're just going to make it easy on people and be like, yeah, that's my brother. <laughs> I, I, I just, I'm just, we're just going to yeah. be like, yeah, we're brothers. We're just going to tell everyone we're brothers. But yeah, his name's Cody Carpenter, and Cody with a K is his, is his stage name. Mm. And uh, so I called him up, and I'm like, he was an early supporter of, of the idea of the rooster. So and he was a personal friend. And I called him, and was like, I've got this idea for a podcast, what do you think? And he was like, hell yeah! <laughs> so I'm like, alright, cool. So we started working it out, we we came came up with like a little intro, and, and I put, I, again, I put a little... You know, throwing shit on the wall, see what sticks. Mm-hmm. I was like, would anybody be interested in being in on podcast? Right away, I got three responses from three different bands. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, well, that's a start. Let's do it. Yeah. So uh, Cody and I both are pretty good friends with the drummer from Testarossa, mm-hmm. uh, Buddy Radford. Awesome band. Awesome, mm-hmm. awesome band. So I I reached out to Buddy. I was like, would you, you know, you guys want to do the first episode? Yeah. So we did it over Zoom. Then we did another one over Zoom. Then uh, we did one more over Zoom. And then by then, I think it was Alan Bingham. At the time, was in Winter Solstice, but now is in Lilith Rising. Okay. Alan was like, hey, man, we'll come to you. Yeah. Because you could tell those first few episodes, the audio wasn't great because we had we were working with Zoom audio. Mm-hmm. And at the time, we were just working with a little Scarlet 2-in, two 2-out two interface. Yeah, yeah. You know, we didn't, you know, not to get too technical, but we didn't really have the equipment to create great sound. Mm-hmm. And those first few episodes are a little rough. They're still good episodes. Yeah. The, the, the interviews themselves, I, I, sta- I stand behind. But when Alan said, yeah, he'll co- they'll come talk to us, I was like, great, let's let's do it. And we did that first in-person interview, and then suddenly the Rooster Radio thing turned real. Mm-hmm. Like, it got real. I was like, oh, man, this can be a thing. Oh, yeah. And by the time we had published those first few episodes, emails were coming in. Mm-hmm. You know, social media messages were coming in. Hey, we'll do the show. Hey, we'll do the show. So we ended up doing 21 episodes last year Mm -hmm. and it it went really well. And before we wrapped up that 21st episode, I already had a list of like 15 more bands that wanted to be on the show for this year. Yeah. So we took a break for the holidays because it is what you know, as well as I do, it's work doing all the editing and, you know, creating you know the digital flyers and getting it out there and getting it up like it's a, it's 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 a lot of work and we're doing it for free you know yeah. like we're not I, getting paid for this i did the same thing i took a break right right around the holidays yeah. too just 
So when uh, when all the bands that had reached out, I'm like, we're not booking me right now, but we're going to start up in February. So February rolled around, and I was like, well, shit, man, I got to start booking shows. So so I, we started booking again. So we just recorded episode 14 of this season. Yeah. So now we're well into the 30s, and and we have even more bands that want to do the show. And and ultimately, the idea was we can't we can't get our doors open. But we can still help local artists out. Mm. We can do this little podcast thing. And whether anyone listens to it or not, this band will now have this piece of audio that they can they can put it on their website. Mm-hmm. They can make it part of their media package. They can share it with their friends and family. And they've, they, they each band that's been on the show, each artist that's been on the show, now has a piece of something tangible that they can use to promote their art. Exactly, yeah. And that was the idea, to, to, to create this platform and... You know, in a lot of ways, I'd say we've been successful in that bands still want to come do the show. Oh, yeah. yeah. And we we plan to continue doing some form of a podcast once we get open. We'll have a green room, so we'll have an actual space that we can mm-hmm. we can produce the show in. And hopefully, we can get someone on board that's real savvy with video, and we can ha- start doing maybe some video and maybe even live streaming stuff. Yeah. I thought, I thought about doing some of that. I know you'd already talked about doing that this year and it just kind of didn't quite happen. But. Well, I've watched some of your live streams. Yeah. Those are always fun. But I thought about like actually doing my, like setting up cameras and recording my interviews and then yeah. putting those up on like at least parts of them, snippets of it up online and things with and the see, actual video. There's, there's another, I mean, just sitting here right now talking, another idea just came mm-hmm. to me. We'll have this green room space that we're not going to be using during the week because we, we don't plan to be open on Monday and Tuesday mm-hmm. unless it's like a special event or a private event. Somebody wants to use our space or something but you know maybe there's an opportunity there for other broadcasters around here that are going around with mobile equipment maybe we can give them this space and maybe they can come and use our space to do interviews yeah, yeah. you know there's an opportunity there and that just dawned on me just this second yeah. so you know <laughs> again we really want to help artists out yeah what, so where, where can you find Rooster Radio if you want to listen? So to it? yeah, if you want to if you want to listen to Rooster Radio, uh, the easiest way is to go on Spotify. We're we're on Spotify. Mm-hmm. I don't suggest using Spotify because I don't like the way they treat their artists. <laughs> well, I, we we could have that discussion later. I'm I'm an artist and I and I bought into it, so I'm I'm actually a supporter, not a supporter of Spotify, but I'm like, please listen to us on Spotify. Well, there's <laughs> well my beef with Spotify. There are other platforms that artists can go to that are not you know, signed with a major label and they can keep more of their money or Bandcamp. That's, that's the one in particular. Yep. I, I tell every artist we talk to get on Bandcamp. Yeah, I do. I, I, I definitely, I always support uh, or suggest Bandcamp first, but I know that most people aren't going to go there and listen from there or buy from there. So if you're not, but you if, can. You're not if you're not going to do that, just listen to us somewhere is what I always say. Well, any, anybody, any local artist that we deal with that is on Bandcamp, when they release new music, I go buy it mm-hmm. on Bandcamp because I know they're keeping more of their money and you can download the MP3 to whatever you know, wherever you and, listen. And Bandcamp's got an app you can listen to, stream Absolutely. it from your phone. It's yes. it's not. It needs some more functionality to it, like mm-hmm. being able to, to do mixes and things like that. But you know, it still works. It works great. You can own that piece of music through mm-hmm. Bandcamp, and the and the artist gets more money. So, so, but we're not on Bandcamp. We're 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 on. Yeah. We use Anchor as our hosting site. Yeah. So Anchor.fm is is the hosting site for us. But we're on Apple Music, uh, Spotify. Um, I think we're on like Breaker and maybe a couple other platforms, mm-hmm. but but the main ones are Apple Music and Spotify, mm-hmm. and then a Google Podcast. You can go to I and mean, that's what's great about Google Podcasts is like 
everyone's got a Google account. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got a Gmail account. You just you, there's no signing up or anything. Yeah. You just go on there and listen away. <laughs> But you know, if you go to our website, there's an embedded player on our homepage that has the most recent episode, and you can click on it, and it will take you to like the Spotify page. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's there's several episodes. You know, I, it, they're like they're like just. I mean, I'm sure you feel the same way. They're like your kids. Like each episode's different, and oh, you yeah. love them for different reasons. But I will add, like if you don't know where to start, you could you could start at episode 16. That's a very good one. I That's think, a I very think good Hoskins episode. On that That's one. one of the most fun episodes we ever recorded. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed that one. I I enjoyed recording it. I enjoyed listening to it. Um, I like the Queen City Rejects episode. I like World Sauntering Day. Of course, I'm going to name all my friends, but You're you know, right. you, you, you can start honestly anywhere. They're all good episodes. Yeah. Um, I always, so I, I was really impressed with Lily Mars. We did hers over Zoom last year. At the time, she was 14. Yeah. 14 years old. And the reason why that one really stands out is because when I go back and listen to the interview, she does not talk like a 14 year old person yeah like she is an artist through and through and she she at 14 she understands the value that 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 presents in her life and how important it is for her and and i have a feeling that girl's gonna go places um but it it just stands out because she's so young oh yeah she's 15 now and she's she'll be our opener uh for for our little event but, but anyways uh, that one stands out you you guys were a lot of fun uh world sauntering day um it really stood out too. The in season one, um, it was the first time anyone asked us questions. Yeah, you know, and, <laughs> that's, that's James for you. Yeah, and it made it, yeah, <laughs> it made for good content. So that that was an inspiring episode in Queen City. Region. And he's actually the first one you've had back twice, right? Uh, or have you had someone in, else? In a way, we had Lilith Rising on this yeah, season, yeah, that's but right. before last year, it was a different yeah. iteration. Yeah, so, that's right. but yeah, James is the first guy that did it. We asked him to open season two. Because when I went back and listened to all of the first season, that that episode really stood out as a. It's it's more of a turning point for us than anything. It, mm-hmm. Our show got much better after okay. his after yeah. his. You know what I mean? Like he 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 kind of brought something out of us that that we weren't doing before, and and it made the show better. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's why we asked him back. You mentioned a minute ago. You said mentioned your show, and that was the next thing. What the sort of the last thing I wanted to get okay. to that to cover. Before we kind of wrap up. Raise the Roost. So let's talk about Raise the Roost. Saturday, June 26th at the Joy Performance Center in downtown Kings Mountain. It's like seven blocks from here. Yes. <laughs> we we are putting on a show. I'm so ready to do what we're going to do. I just couldn't wait any longer. Yeah. I got antsy. Things started to open back up. Mm-hmm. Right? The governor's orders are kind of relaxing. And as soon as that happened, the first thing I did... I said, okay, let's put on a show. Yeah. Let's help some artists out. I was trying to find a place close to downtown Gastonia mm. to do this, and I was wanting to do it outdoors. However, the current governor's orders, which they've they've recently changed, changed but at the now, time, yeah. at the time when I started planning this event, all the municipal municipality properties were off limits because you were only allowed to have like 50 or a hundred people out. There's so much red tape mm-hmm. to cut through, to put one of these outdoor shows on, on public land. And we couldn't, we didn't really know anybody with a big enough space to do this. I was talking to Cobb who runs Uncommon Artisans in downtown Kings Mountain. Mm-hmm. 
She's got a lo- little shop down there, a lot of local local stuff for oh, sale yeah, in there. Yeah. And she also runs a print press. She does T-shirts, hats, and flyers and all kinds of stuff. I was having a conversation with her, and she was like, well, have you thought about the Joy Theater? And I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, well, do you know someone there? She's like, yeah, call this guy. And I went and looked at the space. And it's it's a little theater in downtown Kings mm-hmm. Mountain. A little over 200 seats. Just an old movie theater. Old movie theater that they've turned in. They do like performance art mm-hmm. in there. And then right outside of the theater is like this really nice brick patio with a garden behind it. And so they they already set up vendor markets like once a month. Mm-hmm. And and so I got to talking to the guy and told him what I was wanting to do. And, and they were like, well, yeah, we could work that out. So we worked it out and you know, we rented the space. And because we are who we are... This wasn't going to be just music. We reached out to some local vendors mm-hmm. and artisans as well. So I say all that to say on June 26th in downtown Kings Mountain, we have, we have eight local bands. We have uh, over a dozen local artisans and artists that will be setting up outside. We mm-hmm. have both the local breweries. We have Cavendish and Old Dallas coming to set okay. up tents. And Skillet 3B will be there. He's a food truck, so okay. we will have some food on hand. And then we'll sell regular you know, waters and sodas inside. And uh, we're putting on a show. And it'll be, we'll open the doors at 2, the music will start at 3, and it'll end at 11. Uh, I want to give, take this opportunity to, to say thank you to everyone involved. Um, all of the bands, all of the artisans that have decided to to, to come out and help us out. And, and this is a fundraising effort for lack of anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the, you know, I lost a lot of money with the shutdown. Oh yeah. You know, and I would like to make some of it back. And this is just an opportunity to make a little bit of that money back. It won't be as much as we lost, but it'll be something. Yeah. And it'll also, it's, it's, it, we're also accomplishing our goal. Just like with rooster radio, you know, we were like, Shit, we can't get open, but we can still. There is something we can do for artists. Oh yeah, it's the same concept. It's not our space. We're renting the space, but we're doing this to to create a show, to create some art, and get some people out. You can go to the roostergastonia.com slash events, and that's where you buy tickets. It's okay. twenty dollars for an all day ticket. If you pay thirty dollars, we'll give you a t shirt mm-hmm. with your ticket. And keep in mind, it's a fundraising effort. So we can right now we can only sell 150 tickets. Mm-hmm. We've already started selling tickets. Get them before they're gone. Now, if the governor's orders change again, we might be able to sell more than that. But uh, but please go go buy your tickets and support these artists. Help us get our doors open. And uh, yeah, I can't wait. Raise the roost, baby. Oh yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I'm definitely gonna be there. Um, I need to get my ticket. <laughs> I thought about that this morning. Like, oh, shit, I haven't bought my ticket yet. Um, <laughs> Before I get to my wrap-up point, is there anything else that I haven't thought to ask you about that you wanted to talk about, about the Rooster, about local music, or anything? Um, you know, just as a general statement, you know, I, I do think that people should should give local artists a chance. You know, a lot of, we're so caught up in our streams and our YouTubes and our Pandoras and our Spotify's mm-hmm. and, you know, you, you, whatever, don't let the radio, don't let the TV and the radio tell you what's good. Because mm-hmm. that's bullshit. The reason the rooster exists is because there's just too much good art in this area to not have a place to put it on display. Yeah. You know, talk to your friends that are musicians and artists. Have more conversations with them and understand them better. Because art's beautiful. It's what makes life worth living. And that's why that's that's why we're on this mission. It's because it's important. It matters. 
Mm-hmm. It will make your life. It will enrich your life, and it'll make your life better. So give local artists a chance. And if you are an artist, and we don't already have a relationship, reach out to us. Go to the contact or the booking tab on our website and send us your information so we can get to know you. Mm-hmm. Um, not just musicians, any kind of artist. You know, I could see all different types of art taking our stage. You know, we still haven't met any comedians. I would love to get yeah. a couple of comedians <laughs> in our in our database. I, I can help you get some comedians booked. I don't right. know too many of them, but I know a couple, and I'm sure they know plenty. I know a lot of people that think they're comedians. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know plenty of those people. <laughs> I'm one of those sometimes. <laughs> oh, and I was going to say, so like you say, like support local music and don't let the radio tell you what to listen to or what's good. Um, I, I think a lot of people forget that every band that you listen to that's on the radio at one point was a local artist Absolutely. somewhere. Absolutely. And, and you can make no better uh, example of that than the Avett Brothers. Yes. Right down the road. At one point, they were just a local band, but now they're known all over the world. Yeah, they're a huge success. And I'll tell you that there are plenty of bands in this area that have just as much talent as any of those guys you listen to on the radio. That's very um, true. Just for what, it's the music business. Not everybody can get recognized and not everybody can make it big, but there's, I, I'll say that some of my friends make better music than, you know, records I've been listening to for 30 years. That's true. A, a friend of mine, uh, we, we were having a discussion about the rooster early on and a friend of mine, we, we were talking about this very thing and he was, and he said something that I've repeated to others is to make it big in the music in it, or the entertainment industry as a whole mm-hmm. actors, you know, comedians, musicians, so many stars have to align oh, yeah. to get you there. It's not just talent. It's, yeah. it's talent, luck, and then uh, like a, a host of you, other things. Yeah, it's it's who you get in front of. It's who has the power to 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 make you uh, you know get you in a position of success. It's the the family that you're brought up with. It's the people that you choose to put mm-hmm. in your life. A lot of it is the choices you make. Some of it has to do with genetics. It's how you yeah. look sometimes. If you it's look a certain you look. way, you're going to make it whether you got the talent or not. That's very true. That's sad, <laughs> but true. But there's so many things have to line up to, to get success on a level where you're a household name, right? Mm-hmm. And if that's why you're doing it, fucking quit. Yep. <laughs> Just stop. You know, there's there's hundreds, if not thousands of artists that have made a great living and most people have no idea who they are by creating the rooster. We can help people do that. We can springboard careers. You can spend your whole life touring the country, getting to see the world. You may never make it to the radio. You may never get played on, on a, on a local radio station or Sirius XM, but you can still have a career if you're doing it for the right reasons and, and, and you practice and you, and you're, and, you, and you're talented. Mm-hmm. Someone's going to feel what you're saying. Oh yeah. None of us are alone. Someone's going to feel you. So that's my message to the world. Oh yeah. (laughs) I like that. Uh, So I do have one good question for you here. My next last question. Um, But that is a question you're probably very familiar with. And that's how do you define success? (laughs) (laughs) Touche. So if you're not, if you haven't listened to Rooster Radio yet, that's the question they ask on every episode of Rooster Radio. So I'm going to turn, turn the, turn the tables on, Michael, and let him answer that question. Success for the rooster, first and foremost, is that we get to do it long term. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, we, I want to, I want this to become a fixture in downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, success for us is ten years from now, some kid coming up to 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 play a show at the rooster, telling me the story of how he came in 
to see a show when he was a teenager and all he ever wanted was to play our stage. Mm. That, that something like that, you know, that, that we're still doing it 10 years from now and we've inspired people. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't want to sound grandiose. I don't want to come off any kind of way. Cause I am very humble. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not one of these guys that thinks I'm hot shit, but I know that what we're doing is important. And I know that what we're doing will change, if not save people's lives. Mm. So if 10 years from now, we start getting people talking about how much they appreciate that we did what we did, that's success. Oh, yeah. Totally and that we're still doing it 10 years from now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I certainly hope so. I'm, I'm looking forward to just the, the first night. I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to walk it's in there be and, a party. and see a band. And um, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm, I really am. I'm just so, so excited about it. And I've been telling everybody I can about it. And I'll continue to do that, especially when we get closer to, to being open. Um, I can't wait to book that first show there, you know, and not, not, not necessarily the first one. I know there's probably gonna be another first show, but the first band we'll Husky show a, there. Well, I, I've thought a lot about that. I'm probably going to do like a Thursday night thing with like a private event. I, I've been, mm-hmm. for those of you listening that are, that have been involved, I, I have been keeping names of everyone that's helped us through this time. Everyone that's been a part of what we do. I have this running list of people that have made a difference for us, and those will all. There's going to be one big little private party before we really get open, and I'm not sure who I'm going to get to play that show yet. But I'm going to get somebody fun in there. Be Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have fun with all the people that's helped us get open, and then yeah. we'll have like a real grand opening. Yeah, heck yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Well, once again, just let people know where they can find out more about the Rooster, the website social media, any of that stuff. So it's theroostergastonia.com. We are on Facebook and Instagram at theroostergastonia. Um, and then Rooster Radio is on Spotify and Apple Music and Google Podcast. And, uh, you know, reach out to us. Go to the website. Check out everything we got going on. We're, we're, we're promoting this event right now on the events tab. Uh, we are going to do a fundraising campaign over the summer to, you know, again, to try to help us get the doors open, help mm-hmm. alleviate some of the some of the losses we've taken. Um, but yeah, the roostergastonia.com, everything's there. All right, cool. Well, I definitely appreciate it and definitely looking forward to what the rooster brings to Gastonia and to just to the North Carolina music scene in general or just this area. Thank you, Mike. All I'm right. excited about what we can do. Cool. Appreciate it, man. <laughs> this has been a Gabba Gabba Hunt media production.